You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live, Geek Nerd Tech, featuring a weekly roundup of tech news and gossip. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Geek Nerd Tech. EPMD, your customer means that we're back. Welcome to Geek Nerd Tech, the show we break down nerd culture tech news from a black and brown perspective. Uh, I'm Joe Braswell. I'm joined, as always, by my man, Achilles Shine. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I love opening up to the classics, man. Classics. This is the song that they played at my prom. <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm kidding. Actually, that's not that far off. But no, I'm not, I'm not, that's about right, because EPMD, I was like nine, eight, or nine. No, this joint is like from 1987, though. Well, I'm, I was seven. Okay, all right. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, we're back, show number 16. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us on iTunes and uh, and YouTube, if you're watching us on YouTube. Good to see you. Um, we got a lot of, a lot of news we're going to get to, a lot of tech stuff, a lot of nerd stuff, a lot of geek stuff. Um, but let's open up with something that we've been talking about for a long time, which is uh, Amazon. We, we, we're always talking about Amazon and, 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 and Jeff Bezos taking over the world. Um, I was in Denver this week with a good friend of mine who is... Uh, had a long conversation with Amazon. He's about to do some work for them as a programmer. And he was just mapping out to me, like, the far-reaching tentacles and why, you know, he's like, the kind of work that he does, uh, it's very rare. He's a very rare sort of programmer. Shout out to you, Drew V. Um, but he's a very rare, you know, programmer. And he, they're looking for 300 of him. He's yeah. like, they don't, I don't know if they can find him. Like, he's like, but... I don't know that that increases my work, but there's there's work for me forever if I want to go work for them. That's crazy. So anyway, so that's he's he's contemplating that for a lot of different reasons. But but what's happening right now is Amazon Amazon Prime, which we all know is a service that allows you to do a lot of different things, namely, um, you know, you, you subscribe to Amazon Prime. I think it was seventy nine dollars initially. Yeah. I can't, and so they you know it allows you to get free shipping with everything they do. It allows you to. Um, have access to uh, Kindle, access to all the Kindle, all, right. all the you know all the Kindle, all the other the copies there. Right. Uh, but it also, more importantly, now we're, they're getting into the content game we talked right. about. Uh, so it allows you to do their, their their play to sort of be the next Netflix, exactly. Stream but, all the videos and whatnot. But the price is raising. <laughs> yeah, price is raising. I mean, I think you kind of hit it on the head in terms of Bezos, Amazon. You know, ex, you know their expansion tactics. Like you know, they want to grow and develop, and they feel. I mean, they haven't raised the price in, in nine years, so they feel like you know this would be a great time in terms of uh, that expansion. Like you got to think, like third quarter, fourth quarter, they're going to kill. Yeah. Like a lot of people do their shopping online these days. Like last year for Black Market, record breaking right. you know numbers. So I think he's smart. Black to, Friday. Yeah, that's right. Black Friday. <laughs> I said Black Market. Yeah. I think he would be. And he's he's smart to you know start this now. Sure. And, you know, get people get his his core group you know acclimated to it now. So right. Yeah. I mean, do you do you use Amazon Prime? I do. I I, I recently. You know, here's the thing. I had Amazon Prime, but I, but I just realized this weekend is that I don't use it for the content stuff, right. and I need to because I want because all the shows. I mean, I, you know, I use a lot of Netflix, and I use a lot of. You know, DVD, you know, uh, Blu-ray, you know, I'm old school. But I do use a lot of Netflix. I use um, a lot of uh, Xbox as well. But, and Apple TV, which is, right, you right. know, all that stuff. But Amazon Prime is really great. Like, they have a lot of shows. A lot of shows, like, you know, Justified and shows, like, a lot of content they have that you can just stream, 
you know, entire seasons of. Right. And then they're also getting into the original programming business as well, which which is interesting to me. So they got this this thing where they do with their pilots where they'll just fund eleven pilots and then have the people vote on them theoretically, is what right. they say they do, but you know that really works. And then they'll put up four. Last week they did up they did two. Um, I think one's called Alpha's Alpha House, and one's called Betas, hmm. and um, they were okay, you know, they were okay. And this year they had four they're going to put up two comedies, two dramas. So we'll see how they go. But it's like big names, like Chris Carter from the X Files, um, like Joe Calloway has one. It's like big, big names. So I don't know. I'm really interested to see how how they do. You know, in the in, in the game. Do you do you use it? No, I never use Amazon Prime. I'm not one to to do shopping online, so I never really had. Uh, I thought you'd be like, I thought that's your wheelhouse. No, nah, I like going in and touching stuff, man. Oh man! So I mean, and most of the things I buy are like gadgets, and I want right. to you know manipulate them before I purchase them. So, right, haven't really uh, haven't really done anything. With what that. about the things that you know, like because there's certain things you know what it is, like lens, like there's a special specific lens you want, like you know all the specs, nah, like this I like is the I lens like I want. The... Let me push the button and send it to my house. I like the person to person interaction. I like to talk to the salesperson. Right. I like I like him to tell me, you know, I, I like to try to get a deal from him. You know what I'm saying? I, I like the, the the natural humanistic approach. Yeah. Like I mean, some some stuff like I would I would buy that, but not electronics, not gadgets, never. You can just put like you activate the voice speak on your on your, <laughs> on your computer, and oh. the website, and you hit the button, and then they'll say, "This is the." I don't know. Right, right, right. Uh, but the- I actually want to say something on this topic. Yes, sir. Because I actually want to get you guys' opinion because recently Amazon Prime, Amazon has been accused of raising the prices on certain Prime items to uh-huh. make up for the shipping costs that they have to send them out with. Right. So what do you think of that when they're just on the backlash of this accusation and now they're raising their prices 20 to $25 for a Prime account? Well, here's the, here's the thing about that. Um, Stephen Lemieux, our, our wonderful producer and, and engineer, Stephen Lemieux. The thing about that is like Amazon's always run the, the business model for Amazon is to run a really, really low margin. So as so as much money as they're making, as far reaching as their tentacles are, they don't. Their margins are really low. That's how they're able to get to, to get to make this thing work. So it's always been in the business plan of Amazon at some point to be able to raise the prices, to raise the margins, so they can actually make more profits. It sounds ridiculous, but they make a lot of money on low margins. So. Um, I was I was kind of knew this was coming, so I don't have much of a problem with it. Also, not that surprised with their they're trying to figure out other ways to make up that low profit margin. Um, it's really all it is. It, it was it was inevitable, um, Lemieux. But I think it was just a matter of a, how they handle it from a PR standpoint. Right. And it really, it's just more of a PR thing. I think that we'll we're willing to pay for something good, but if we think we're getting ripped off or we think that Amazon's manipulating us, then it's a problem. It's well, a- no, what I'm saying is they've been accused recently. Of having lower prices on an item, like let's say you wanted to buy a washer on Amazon, yeah. And if you're a non-prime user, you're going to pay sixty dollars oh, shipping, sorry, but it's only four hundred dollars plus sixty dollars shipping. But if you're a prime user, shipping's right. free, but they charge you five hundred dollars for the washer. Right? Yeah, Keely, I, I mean that's horrible. I mean, <laughs> I think that's that's a huge point, and I think that you know that really detracts from their brand. Like it gives opportunity for the rivals to like. Get, get get more market share like a uh, like overstock.com or like shoprunner that gives them opportunity to to, to kind of reach the the audience that that uh, Amazon's going to lose but i think you know i think this move is clearly for the shareholders it's clearly for their pockets it's not for you know the 20 million people that have 20 million membership that they have for Amazon Prime they're trying to get and squeeze as much money out of that membership as possible Knowing, knowing that the future of of online of shopping is moving towards online, I, I think that that's happening. If that's happening, and, and it sounds like it is, that that's deplorable. I think that's bad. But I also think that it's you know this is the thing that they're trying to they want to push and move everyone over to Amazon Prime a, a, as much as they can. I think there's there 
I don't know. I think I think what you're saying is Amazon Prime may be a sham because if you're using Amazon Prime and getting quote unquote free shipping, you're paying for it anyway, right? So um, I don't know, man. I got I got I got really nothing. I got no really opinion on that. If, if that's happening, like the like the on, on a lot of items, or even if it's just select items, it's no good. Maybe they're doing it on items like washing machines and items that are like l- larger and more expensive to ship. And maybe that's how they're making up their costs. I don't know. Um, I think the the question would be for me, Lemieux, is is this something that's happening across the board with all products or with select products, and maybe or does it matter? You know, it's select products, but it's also causing a huge stir, especially when they're trying to raise the price of Amazon Prime right. at the moment. So that's mostly where the PR blast is coming from. Interesting people against the price raise raise when they can't even promote right what they say that Prime is. I use Prime all the time though. I love Prime because I get the smaller items and I just have so many things to ship to my house. Right, right. It makes sense. So I guess I guess the key here is if you if you're a Prime user and you get you're shipping yourself books and, and products and smaller products and it's fine and you can enjoy all the other all the other fruits the the, the content and all this stuff. If you are a shipping large stuff, washing machines. Uh, cars, refrigerators, then maybe Prime is not exactly a deal for you. You're not really making out in the free, in the free shipping. I mean, do you think that for, for the guy that's not buying that many things online, do you think the $100 a year is, is worth it? Well, this, this, is, this is the thing. It's not... Well, this is, the, this is, again, this is the PR problem they're having, right? Because what they're trying to do is say that we're a big tent. So, like, you, you like Netflix? Man, we got you on Netflix. You like to ship stuff? Man, free shipping. You want this stuff? You like books? iBooks? Nah, we got that too. Like they're trying to promote this as a one-stop shop. That's kind of mm-hmm. that's kind of the move. But they're not really doing a good job of messaging that because right. people think of Amazon as oh books. Now they think of Amazon as oh products, but not content, not just other all these other things. So right. I think their problem is they really got to do a better job of educating everyone that like Amazon Prime is worth it because you're getting all of these services. It's not just about shipping stuff for free. I think that the, the, the if people think like oh well I'm paying an extra twenty bucks just to ship stuff for free, they're ripping me off. I think it's more than that. I'm, I'm I'm pro this move. I just want them to be ethical about it, you know. But I'm, I'm I, I think the move is a good. I don't mind it at all. And I don't know. I'm. I'm... They just gotta afford those drones somehow. Exactly. Ah. They gotta fund those drones, baby. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. I think if if it's a fight between Amazon Prime and the membership, I think Amazon Prime walks away with the black eye. Right. I think they lose. Really? Okay. I, I think in the long run they're going to lose. Well, consumers will be the final. They'll, they'll 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 you know they'll tell the story. We'll see how this next year shakes out. We'll see consumers. Um. We got another another favorite story of I, favorite story of ours that we like to talk about, which is back is uh, your boy Watson Achilles Watson, your boy, the, yeah, <laughs> you, you, that's my man, your man Watson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Watson is, you know, we, we talked about you know what the, the further applications for Watson may be aside from winning Jeopardy. Um, looks like Watson has got some serious uh, work ahead uh, for him. Looks like he's now um, they're, they're talking about using him to. Um, him, like I'm, I'm even talking about this person, you know, <laughs> Mr. Watson. Um, they're talking about using him to do some very serious, like DNA cancer, cancer DNA sequencing to really sort of get down and do deep dives and to figure out, you know, a, the, the real answers of where cancer comes from, how it, how it starts, and then, then build a roadmap into maybe stopping, eradicating, or treating cancer. Yeah. I mean, Watson, like you said, has a lot of, a lot of work to do, but Watson's a genius. Like what, what a, what a human mind can do versus Watson is, is no, is no comparison. Like, um, the story, but, you know, he essentially this this supercomputer um, will begin to do the work that for one doctor to do in one year, he could do in one second yeah. times 100. So like the capability for them to collect information and, and data as it relates to, you know, cancer will help propel them to come up with solutions. Right. You know I mean, and so like using the technology 
to help, you know, gather that data is going to save time. It's going to save money. Like, and it's going to, it's going to propel, you know, a, a different, a different industry as it relates to Watson. Like it's going to move it to different industries like finance or anything to like help collect information at a much quicker rapid rate. So right. cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I agree. I, I, I think it's, uh, it's cool. I think that I, I'm terrified of this as always. I'm going to make sure that we're able to, as, as human beings to, you know, keep a handle on what we're able to use this technology for. I mean, you know, I, I, I think of Watson. I think of, uh, you know, have you seen her? Mm-hmm. So I think of Samantha and her. And there's those, there's moments in that movie, um, where for those of you who haven't seen her, it's about a guy who falls in love with an operating system set in the not too distant future. There's moments in that film where he'll reference something and he'll, and she'll say, yeah, let me check that out. Yes, I just read. I read. Yeah, I read the entire works. Right. Like, how long did it take you? Uh, two point three seconds. Right. It's like, oh wow, like you know, <laughs> that that is kind of where it's at. I can she's in real time, able to access all these things, talk to multiple people, access all this information. It it, it that that's not too far. That, that, that's what he's doing. Yeah. Watson, like most most computers, you know, run off a of program. Right. Watson's able to collect information and then make decisions off that information. Right. And that's what's very unique about him. And I think technology. It's always about figuring out how to do things easier, how to save time. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is the solution for, like, a whole industry. Like, because really, like, in, in terms of finding a cure for disease, it's really just time. Right. And the evolution of, of, of science, kept, you know, catching up. And so this computer is going to help do that. Right. It's going to help, you know, like, propel that that cure. Right. You know I mean? So, so I, you know, well, I have more power to it. I, I, I want Watson to do it. As long as this shit isn't. Figure out a way to become self-aware and make us all into <laughs> slaves of the uh, of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and the T one thousand. Man, anyway, or the Matrix or whatever else is happening. Um, all right, uh, let's move on to uh, the NSA. Another story we've been talking about for a long time here that just keeps evolving. Uh, but before we do that, we want to talk about uh, our good friend. We have a word from our good friend Maria Menudos. Oh, uh, I don't have it ready, so go ahead. And oh, just never talk. mind. We we, we, <laughs> we will have a word from a good friend Maria Menounos very shortly, but right now we'll talk about uh, the NSA. So you know, look, this has been a big, big topic for the last probably year and a half, eighteen months, and we've discussed it here. We've discussed you know the you know the, the spy and, and the, the tech gate or whatever you want to call it, and eavesdrop gate, and and Obama's listening to all of our phone calls and what's happening. But uh, the, this is a story about the actual technology that they're using, that they're using and more and more and more is becoming available to the public about sort of the methods, the specific, the specificity of the methods that the NSA uses. And the more we know, the scarier it gets on one hand for me as a techie, it's very, very interesting to see like, Oh my God, wow, they had that. I know they could do all that. On the other hand, it's scary. It's like, Whoa, they can do that. And one of the things that they're, we're talking about here is they're able to do, to listen to every phone call for a month, and then sort of record them like a DVR. And it doesn't work like a real DVR in terms of like a linear thing. But if you can just get a snapshot of every phone call made in the country for a month and then pick back any particular conversation and play that back, that is some insane technology. It's crazy. I mean, the key thing is that they can do this for an entire country, millions of people. Yeah. So they're using this technology called Mystic where it actually records the audio. Right. And, and then Mystic shoots it to um, another software called Retro, right. which is where they retrieve the information and they're able to analyze it. But I think, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but I definitely think it's scary Like to, to think that, I mean, I would say that this is happening here. Like, right. I would say the FBI, someone is using this technology like for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know we know you know Mystic and Retro. Those are you know, programs that I don't own that we don't have that, that aren't exactly don't come on your on your uh, OS that you get on your computer. But 
Um, yeah, the, 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 I'm really fascinated by the data collection and, and, and sort of data sorting yeah. that, that that happens there. I mean, just again, just from a tech standpoint, these this, this, these two pieces of software are amazing. Like one Man. can collect everything, and then the other can sort and store everything. Right. So when you want certain bits of a conversation, like they can just string together, like like Watson, very quickly string together yeah. what this conversation is, who it came from, when it came. So it's it's more than putting in keywords like I want to bomb something. It's 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 it, remi- it reminds me of the uh, of the of the movie Eagle Eye, like oh this, yeah this this technology that's able, but it's using video in right. that movie. But I mean, it's very similar to that. It's Wait, is to... that the Shia LaBeouf one? Yeah, it is. I hate that movie. Uh, that movie is terrible. I mean, it's terrible, but <laughs> no, but yeah, it is like that. Yeah, yeah. I think what's crazy too is like that, and within that thirty day period, like it's twelve petabyte tw- petabytes of information. Wow. That's a million gigs of information. Yes. 12 million gigs of information in a month that they're collecting. Like, So just how to store all that, Like, I think that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it is crazy. I'm, I'm very... Uh... I don't know, man. We'll see. It's just, it's just, it's, it's interesting because, you know, like, like I said, there's more and more information that's coming out, but you know, the information that we're getting that's coming to light now is probably a year. So, oh, yeah. so whatever is going on with with uh, Mystic and Retro, that that that's that's two that's year, old news, that's right? Two year old technology. Yeah, exactly. you know? Retro three is kicking right now. Like that's stuff we don't even know about. It's the NSA. Man. Like we don't know. So you know, I don't know. It just makes me think, like, man, like your your privacy, like, like, because you know, simple conversation you're having with mm-hmm. with your mom or you know your girl or whatever, like, and someone's you know tapping into that, like, or that's being recorded and put in a database, like. Right. So you have to be very careful of what you say and like just being cognizant of how you use your technology because you might be in that country where they're using this technology and might talk to the wrong person and yeah. you're in the system now. Like I think that's just ridiculous. I'm also really fascinated by the, the um, uh, listen to someone talk about this over the weekend. The the relationship between uh, pop culture and you know what how we get our information from pop culture and how how or science fiction or spy fiction and how true that starts to become or how. You know, you'll, they'll, they'll read something that's about, like, a screenwriter may like, oh, I hear this technology is, is emerging. And then you cut to 10 years later, it's how we're living. Yeah. Perfect example of that is, you mentioned Eagle Eye, but I'll go back to um, Enemy of the State, mm-hmm. the uh, the Will Smith, Gene Hackman movie, mm-hmm. where this is, this was, like, happening. Like, yeah. this was the first time you got that sense of, like, a data tech room of these young guys tracking, using mm-hmm. cameras, activating everything, tracking people down. That's real, you yeah, know. And now, real. movies like The Born Identity do it all the time. Um, and I love all those scenes, by the way. I've mentioned that before. I'm on record saying I love all the crisis suite scenes <laughs> in every movie. But, uh, you know, Eagle Eye um, in shows like um, Purse of Interest right now, yeah. you know, it's that, that same idea. Mm-hmm. Um, this stuff is kind of real. And it makes you really, you know, uh, to watch people. Uh, even even this last movie, this Jack Ryan movie, the whole mm-hmm. scene like that at the end, you know, where he's uses all these methods to track someone down. That's that's incredible. So it makes you really, really wonder again if, if pop culture is writing about in the future and sometimes using it in the, in, the, in the present. And we're talking about it right now in the present. A, where are we? Where, what's really going on right now? And B, what's to come? I mean, totally. I, I think if a person can imagine it, someone's going to try it, and someone has tried it, and someone is doing it. Like right. Like most, like you said, most of the things that we see in science fiction, like either come from a place or are propelling something to happen. So, right. yeah, like this technology for sure is here, and yeah, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta watch what you say, you gotta All watch right. what you do. Retro is watching <laughs> the Mystic Retro. Um, but speaking of watching, yeah, we, we have something that we've been watching, and we're gonna go to some words from our friend Maria Menudos. 
Tuesdays on Oxygen. I'm Maria Menounos, and my life can get a little crazy. I host Extra. I'm an actor, producer, dancer, wrestler, and a lot of other things. I live with Kevin, my boyfriend of 15 years. Do you really love me? I would say that I'm in serious like. And my parents. Yep. I just said I live with my parents. You drive me crazy. You drive me crazy. My parents want us to get married. You both love each other. Get married. Kevin and I don't. I am going to get married when I want to get married. I think I want kids. Kevin definitely doesn't want them now. This is being pushed on to us. And of course, my parents wanted them yesterday. This year, you got to have it. And I have a house full of people counting on me financially. If I take my eye off the ball, everything can fall apart. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or wants us to do. It's what we want to do. Everyone things that they know what's best for me, but I'm really the only one. I have got to figure things out. Chasing Maria Menounos is so new. Every Tuesday at 10, 9 central, starting March 18th, only on Oxygen. Yes, good show. I'm, I'm watching. I like it. I'm seeing a lot of our friends here in it, especially. And so uh, it's it's good stuff. Um, where are we? Oh, Twitter. Let's get back to Twitter. So, um, Another thing we've been talking about. These are all sort of. I think I feel like these are stories that we'll be just be continuing yeah, to talk the, about. The, the revolving. The revolving. Well, you know, Twitter got. There's been in the news lately because the uh, the the head of news at Twitter. I know they had a head of news at Twitter, <laughs> but the head of news at Twitter like uh, had been a, been a sort of a flip, you know, remark about you know how the company would be getting away from hashtags and the and the and the ads, saying they're a little antiquated, and then people started like people picked it up and were kind of running with it. But I think at the heart of it is just sort of saying that. You know, there's two sides to this. The first side is that, like, you know, as a culture, we now know hashtag is embedded in our culture. There's, yeah. there's bits on it. We talk to people talk about it. You know, my, my people talk, my kids will say it, like, hashtag, leave me alone, hashtag yeah. this. Um, and the ads, all those stuff are embedded in our culture at the same time. For Twitter to move forward into the future, we may have a world where people aren't hashtagging and, and there may be a, a better way for you to be able to recognize something other than the hashtag or the at. So I think that I understand where this is going, but culturally, you know, that's kind of Twitter's identity. What, what do you, what do you think of this? It's a huge paradigm shift. To, to, to use Twitter without hashtags is counterintuitive. I think it, w- it would take a lot of adjustment for the, the core users, but I think their move in doing this is to attract the new users who... Mm-hmm. You know, find it find it difficult to understanding you know the platform because a lot of people don't get it. Like, what is a hashtag? What is at? Like, how do I how do I use Twitter? And so I think that's that's the in terms of them growing their business, they want to attract that that newer audience, and so mm-hmm. they want to make it more applicable to them. But I mean, we got we got to mention that Twitter turned eight um, eight years. Yeah. It was their birthday, I think, like last week, mm-hmm. and you're able to uh, they offer uh, offer a service where you're able to, to pinpoint your first tweet. Oh, and so. Yeah, I think these are just ways to promote the expansion of Twitter. Sure. And but I mean personally I think Facebook's already doing it like with the the uh you're able to at someone and not have the at sign mm-hmm. and tag them. So I think that's t- Twitter's trying to catch up with that. Well, and also think like like you mentioned it's it's a big point. That's a big barrier to entry for most people. It was for me. Like there's, there's, there's a, you still talk to people this day, you know, uh my good friend Joe Sanfilippo, I'll call him out. He's one of them. Twitter, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I'm Joe Sanfilippo. Um, shout to you, Joe. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, there's people who are like, you know, all this hashtags and ads and like you said, and it, so it's a big barrier to entry for most of the average person. But it doesn't seem that the question is, do you just like, is it about educating people what Twitter is and and then, and then people will 
find it like they have and Twitter's continuing to grow? Or is it like pulling down that barrier to entry so that everyone can come and join Twitter if you want to join Twitter? Um, I don't know. That's the I debate de- for me. I definitely think it's, it's, it's breaking down that barrier because the people that interact with the Twitters and Facebook, they're, they're the content. They're the content for the, for the advertisers. Right. So they want, more, they want more content. They want more people. They want more users. And so if it means you know, having an easier route, a, a, a lesson learning curve, like they're going to do that. Right. Well, so we'll we'll see how it works. But I mean, I think that um, you know, Twitter's growing. It's being used for a lot thing, a lot more things beyond what it was intended for. Uh, there's still, you know, it's it's used a lot for a lot of television metrics and and, and other metrics in general. Yeah. Um, I don't. So, I personally don't see the hashtag going away because that's the way to hyperlink conversations. Like uh-huh. you said, how to how to really you know get the the, the analytics of of of, a, of something of a conversation. But maybe like the at and how you reply and all that stuff, maybe yeah. that'll be better curated and managed. Yeah, that's sort of confusing to reply to someone, you mm-hmm. know, via Twitter. Uh, let's move on. So um, speaking of Silicon Valley, uh, our guy Jesse Jackson made his visit down to Silicon Valley, and uh, he kind of, you know, he kind of got on some folks down there as, as he's as he's known to do. I mean, I, you know, the thing about Jesse is, you know, he gets a lot of flack from. A lot of folks, you know, black black folks and white folks, but as just you know, as, as a as more of an agitator than a than, than a than a than a pioneer and helper, I man, I just feel like. Well, let me. I'll get back to my team paying Jesse for a second. But Jesse went down to um, Silicon Valley and talked to the folks at at, at uh, HP, and basically was saying like, you know, we need more. Uh, minorities in in down here in the valley in, in your company specifically like your your minority representation in the tech world is is almost nil he called out google uh, a lot of other companies who were like you know like people members of uh, of, of minorities on the boards zero members yeah. of ceo zero all these things zero we're absent we're and, absent and and i i just i just want to say quickly and i want to hear what you have to say is that like you know, Jesse, people say, like, Jesse's not needed. Jesse's still needed. Like, this is what Jesse does. This is what he's always done. And frankly, I'm glad he's out there doing it and being vocal and and, make, and bringing light to these situations. Because, you know, you love him or hate him, and I love him, you know, it's it's hard to not – you need someone that's, that's um, this public and this vocal and still fighting that fight even in 2014. For sure. I mean, he's he is the voice. He is the face. I think um, a lot of people don't necessarily see him as credible. Um, because of some of the, some of personal choices he's made, sure. some of his, you know, even his his son, his yep. son is in prison. Yep. Like so, I mean, I think in terms of, I, I mean, hearing having him, well, on, everybody got a son, everybody got a bad son. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know? I mean, but even his own decision making too, like it, it's kind of hypocritical. A lot of people don't want to hear yeah. that from him. But beyond that point, like the point is that that he is fighting for diversity in you know the boardroom. Like in terms of the tech world, eighty-seven percent of the boardroom are white males, mm-hmm. and so he wants—he's asking the question, like, why is it like that in this day and age? Like, in terms of in terms of African Americans and the consumption of of tech, like we're high, but how come we're not, you know, getting these positions and these leadership roles? And right. so that's what he's promoting. That's what he's pushing. Like with this Rainbow Coalition, it's a campaign to to open that up, to open that discussion up. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, Not that's, at that's, that's what I'm saying. That that is needed always. I mean, mm-hmm. his main quote, you know, I just quoted me says, you know, uh, you know, when it comes to African Americans in the board, zero, C suites, zero, minority firms and IPOs mm-hmm. and financial transactions, zero. Um, you know, uh, he wants to like have a meeting to confront these zeros mm-hmm. head on. Is what he wants to do. And I'll say there are some some females, you know, uh, that, who who are CEOs, mm-hmm. um, and so. Uh, but still not so the minority, you know, is in, in, is 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 shifting. But the big point that he's making, which is true, and we'll move on, is that 
you know, you have Stanford and 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 is, is the heart of the Silicon Valley. Palo Alto is the heart of the Silicon Valley. You have East Palo Alto, which is full of black folks, full of blacks and Latinos, you know, doing a, not doing so great. There's got to be a, a pipeline from these folks to Palo Alto, to, to one side of Palo Alto, to the other side of Palo Alto. Of course. That's I, all. I mean, you got to think, too, like... I think he makes the point like the boardrooms don't look like the the demographics of America. Yeah, like America is very diverse. How come the boardrooms aren't reflective of that? Sure. How come the the power positions, the leadership roles aren't reflective of that? How come we're still dealing with this the same the same archetype of who's in charge? Right. But that that can't work anymore. It, it can't work. And then in tech, you know, tech is the way that we we need to do be in this country to keep to move forward. Yeah. Um, we need all all eyes, all hands on deck. You know, mm-hmm. and black black folks too, and, and and then Latino folks, absolutely, um, as well as white folks. Everybody, everybody. Okay. So uh, moving moving on, let's just shift gears a little bit to uh, to some to some funner stuff. Uh, funner. That's my favorite word. Uh, Titanfall. I mean, I've been all about Titanfall. I've been you know I'm talking about. Xbox and Xbox One. I'm an Xbox dude. So Xbox One is like making a surge. I mean, they, you know, Titanfall dropped, and we we talked last week about what that could mean. Well, you know, the sales in the UK, well, sales are up in general. Sales in the UK of, of Xbox are up like ninety six percent. The numbers are, you know, for Xbox is fantastic. It actually almost caught up to PlayStation Four this month. Um, I'm happy. The game is fantastic. The system's great. I don't know if you have much to say about it because I don't know if you're a big, you, you know, we talked about this before, but I just wanted to mention it. I mean, just, just in terms of, you know, this race, you know, we, that we keep covering. Right. Um, I mean, they're still behind in overall sales to the PS4. Right. But I think, you know, the games are uh, system sellers. So, like, they're going to promote, you know, people to buy the systems. And I think if they keep coming with these dope games and it's just yeah. going to create like a groundswell of everything else. And like I said, we'll see quarter three, quarter four, what really, you know, who wins the race? Well, it kind of, you know, it kind of feeds into this next story a little bit too as well. But the, the issue is, is that, you know, these guys are competing, right? Mm-hmm. And you know that PlayStation's coming, so the Xbox One's got to be ready. Mm-hmm. But really, the Xbox One, they've missed so much time on the hardware, on the hardware of the Xbox One, which I think is fantastic. They got some problems that they forgot, you know, they, they the game development was, was behind the curve, way behind the curve, and it still is. They probably won't catch up for another I would say eight to ten months right. to win eight to ten months from now, maybe Christmas 2014. Mm-hmm. You know, late fall 2014, we'll start to see some re- some games, some game changing games, if you will. So, mm-hmm. Titanfall was one they had ready to go, and they've been working on it for three years um, plus. But there's there'll be more, and then we'll see where the systems go. And then, like in, in the upcoming months, they're going to drop the the, the system in, in I think 16 different countries. So, it's, you know, that's going to open up even more, you know, of an audience and more consumers. So. Well, Go ahead. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see what you know what traction that makes when it's more of a global push. Yeah, and well, speaking of competition too, you know, Microsoft is also trying to get in the VR business and in a virtual reality business. They have a you know a virtual reality headset coming up. Now we mm-hmm. know that Oculus. Uh, Oculus Rift and Oculus is really sort of, you know, changing the game in this virtual reality space. Yeah. And, you know, Microsoft's looking behind, looking around like, we don't want to get left Man, behind. We got to so, be in the space, too. Um, and, and we'll talk about Sony in a minute, but, like, mm-hmm. Microsoft, really, they're, they're making their push, too, so that may help. This, yeah. is, this is a case of them not wanting to be left behind, of right? Of course, yeah. They can't be left behind. Like, they have to compete on all levels. And, like, I mean, in terms of virtual reality, this is going to be a, the, a really huge technology that so a lot of people... Thing. For yeah, exactly, for For entertainment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about if you could watch a football game and actually be on the 50-yard line. Right. Or if you could be at a concert and be on the stage. I would run out, like, in, the, I would run out <laughs> in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
but yeah, no, I, that that that's where I, I I do believe you're right. That's where entertainment's going. And not as well. just entertainment. Every everything like the medical field. Imagine if if medical students could could do a a surgical procedure, right? You know, with the device or. For military purposes, I'm sure they've been already using it to, sure. to do certain scenarios or whatever. I mean, porn. <laughs> you, you can practice. <laughs> so, but the reason why Microsoft is on this is because PlayStation also announced that they're going to be doing their Project Morpheus, which Morpheus. is which is not necessarily their thing. This is a thing that's been around and was started on Kickstarter, and that 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 is uh, basically their VR headset. But like you know, Sony is like we're we're going to embrace this technology. So. Everyone's in the game, right? Everyone's in the in the, in the game. This is the main reason, you know. PlayStation announced this, and so it's not a surprise that Microsoft made an announcement that we're working on the technology as well. Yeah, their announcement, um, no surprise, is unnamed. I mean, you have Oculus for like more, more PC users. You have Morpheus for in the PS4. Right. We'll see, we'll see what uh, Microsoft comes up with. Xboculus. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know All right, let's move on. Uh, let's move on some nerd culture stuff, which is which is my stuff too. Uh, Star Wars. This is my ish. You know, this is this is my stuff. Uh, so we got some more little. You know, they're, they're getting a little. They're giving us a little little bit of Star Wars. Uh, I, I hung out with one of my one of my friends, um, Chris Argopoulos, who's a, who's a big PR guy over at Lucasfilm, and uh, over the week over, over the over the weekend, and I was grilling him like just just trying to like we had to drink. I'm trying to get him to trip up and say something, and he wouldn't say anything, of course. But he did say it's going to be a busy year. We're like they're going to tease out the announcement. So one of the things that happened that is uh, Bob Iger, the Disney chair, just sort of said that. You know, we know now that Star Wars Episode Seven will be set 30 years past Return of the Jedi, which makes sense because Return of the Jedi was 30 years ago. So that makes sense. And and so we also know he says it'll it'll feature a trio of new young heroes uh, with some old familiar faces. Now we know that you know Han, uh, Harrison Ford and 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 Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill will all be back. So uh, I don't know. I'm excited. Are you a Star? I don't know if you are you a Star Wars guy. Of course, I'm a Star Wars okay. guy. Big big Star Wars guy. Right. I'm excited too. I just hope that it's not too like kitted out, if that's a word. I, I wanted to have you know some flavor for like you know. I mean, I know I was a kid when I watched it. Yeah, but I don't want it to be so like you know. No, I think I think I think it's in the right hands with J.J. Abrams. People are really skeptical about it, and but uh, I mean, like he said, the only reason he did the Star Trek movies because he couldn't do Star Wars. He's really a Star Wars guy. Right, I mean, right. You know, a lot can be said about J.J., but I think he's very very capable. Uh, as a director, even with his his overuse of his lens flare, you know, his, his lens flare and his snap the snap zooms and lens flares. But other than that, uh, I, I'm really I think it'll be he's in good hands. Oh, for sure. I mean, so, JJ's going to do an excellent job. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no doubt in my mind he'll he'll preserve the canon and, and have some cool stuff as well. Uh, another big casting announcement: Jurassic World, another highly anticipated movie in the same family. We're talking about the the, the, the Spielberg family, well, the Lucas Spielberg you know genre family, I should say. Uh, they just you know we we know that Chris Pratt is 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 the lead as well as Bryce Dallas Howard, but people are wondering if Jeff Goldblum and, and some of the other characters will be back. Uh, the answer is no. None of those guys are coming back. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, the director was very clear that, you know, there's, the only reason he would bring them back is if to, in the screenplay, we'd have to contrive a reason for them to be there. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to do that. This is a new story. But he did mention that uh, B.D. Wong's character, uh, who is escaping right now, because I'm doing such a great job on this, it w- will be back. He was the number two to uh, the main doctor who developed the technology. So uh, he says there's some story there. So that'll be interesting to see. And, and, and B.D. Wong's a good actor. So, yeah. But that's it. I'm, I'm actually excited about Jurassic World. I mean, I, I, too. I, I think too. that it'll be a little better than Jurassic Park 3. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first one dropped in 1993. Yep. 
Um, I remember that I remember distinctively because my grandmother took me to see this movie. Yep. And yeah, man, I mean, I love dinosaurs. I love I love the whole story. I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? 20 plus years 20 plus later. Years. Well, Jurassic so. Park blew my mind. Jurassic Park 2, not so much. Jurassic Park 3, I was out mm-hmm. on. But I'm really excited about this one. So I yeah. think that this is going to be something. Especially the technology also. They did some, you know, Stan Winston and ILM did some really boundary pushing technology back then. Yeah. You know, to do really groundbreaking stuff that the combination of what Stan Winston did with the animatronics and, and, mm-hmm. and, and the actual full-size dinosaurs to what ILM did. And now, you know, 20 years later, we can see what what ILM and these folks will do. Almost like extracting the, the no, DNA no. of go. the technology. <laughs> I mean, just like in Jurassic Park, they extracted true. the DNA of the dinosaurs. Let's <laughs> see what they're going to do. The mosquito. <laughs> the virtual mosquito. I don't know. I got nothing. All right. And the last thing we have, just really quickly, is... Uh, is you know Ghostbusters three? Now that's that's another one of my movies. That's one of my movies from '84. I love. We, who didn't love Ghostbusters one and two? There's been a Ghostbusters three script floating around for a long time, and they've been flirting with Bill Murray. And and Bill Murray never technically said that he won't do it. In fact, he, I've I've heard him interviewed on this. He's like, hey man, they they just need to send me the script that works. I, mm-hmm. I yeah, I'm not I'm not opposed to it. Just send me something that works. Well, we did know that Ivan Reitman, who did. Now, Ghostbusters 1 and 2 was set to direct Ghostbusters 3, which was really exciting because right. the, the same director. Uh, Harold Ramis, you know, was involved, and there's a script with Dan Aykroyd that he wrote with another, with another cat. But since the untimely death, death of uh, Harold Ramis, it's affected a lot of people, and now Ivan Reitman has dropped out. Yeah. I guess he just feels it wouldn't be right to do this show without, without him. Without yeah. Her- would do this movie without Harold Ramis, who wrote. Who wrote that first, you know, right, who wrote right. those? This is his baby. Of course. So um, I think there's something to be said about that. I mean, on one hand, it's like there's some people who want to take the mantle. I remember when Stanley Kubrick died. There's, you know, people wanted to, Steven Spielberg stepped in and finished AI. There's some people, there's that There's that philosophy. But there's also the other philosophy that says, I can't do this without him. It's too painful. Right. So he's going to stand as a producer. Yeah. But he's going to be out entirely. What do you, what do you think about this? I mean, I, I get I get his sentiments in terms of I mean, everything you said. But, the, I mean, the new news, I, I believe, which is, Maybe a day old Uh-oh. is Phil Lord and, and Chris Miller, who uh, directed Twenty One Jump Street and the new Lego movie that just dropped. There, they have been uh, asked to do it, and so they they oh. have a great '80s aesthetic. They've done you know a lot of these throwback movies, and so I think they're going to sign on and be the directors for uh, Wow, I didn't for know Ghostbusters that. Three. Yeah. You breaking news in the show in my face. Uh, that's great news. Those guys are fantastic. You know, Lego movie is fantastic, mm-hmm. and they did a great job with both with Twenty One Jump Street, and we'll see what Twenty Two Jump Street exactly, is like. Yeah. But they're really, really funny guys, and uh, and really you know care about the brand. That that may help get Bill Murray back. I just don't think for his affection for Held Ramis, I can't see Bill Murray doing this movie just with him and Dan Aykroyd and right. uh, and Ernie Hudson. Uh, but we'll see. You know, I mean, man, Ghostbusters is a huge, huge, yeah, '80s like iconic experience man yeah. like, like i think it's gonna be dope to bring this back so. I, I just really really hope that i'd love to see bill murray back so yeah. dr peter vinkman i think it's kind of cool so we covered all these movies that uh ilm did all you know yeah yeah you know the virtual stuff on so yeah. that, that's kind of fresh yeah it is so uh that's it for this week that's that's that's, that's everything we got we got more uh, more tech news, more nerd news, more geek news for next week. But in the meantime, Keely, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Akili Shine, A K I L I Shine. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Joe K Braswell. That's Joe K Braswell on Instagram and Twitter. We'll see you next week. 
from producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host owner and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.